0: It's a life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at Steve Diddy, NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I have me all, buddy, and me all, partner. I'm crying. It's Peter Jones. It's at IT Hedgehog. What's going on, buddy?
0: playoffs steve playoffs (laughs) that that was a terrible that was a terrible impression of jim mora wasn't it but it's playoff football baby
1: (laughs) It is, surely. You know, I have to adjust the sound levels because only dogs could hear that second playoffs. So that was very, very... Uh, the enunciation was amazing. Um, this is a weird show. This is an odd show. We had something planned, which was going to be like our end-of-season awards, but we, we had a Brains Trust, uh, Stewards Inquiry, and we decided to bring it on down. And we're just going to amble through everything that's happened and leave our sort of proper awards with all of the sound bites and funny stuff. That's going to be a super exciting episode. I'm still hoovering up some of the stuff from the season. Um, I know, Pete, you go through and do an article where... Uh, you break down the season and all the stats and all that kind of stuff um, which is encyclopedic uh, in nature so that's going to be class so we're just going to have an ale amble aren't we just have an ale stroll Yeah. yeah keep it nice and relaxed so anyway the Patriots are out and people are celebrating and this is the thing this is this is almost going to go into the realm of Let's just see what happens, show. Uh, so the Titans beat the <laughs> Patriots. I predicted that on the radio. Also predicted the Saints to beat the Vikes. So, heh. um, so you know, uh, there's there's ins and outs, there's ups and downs, there's there's troughs and highs and lows to to every analysis, Pete.
0: There were some great ga- there were some great games though, weren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, talk about the uh, Sean Watson stepping up. Um, that looked like uh, you know they had cacked the bed. Um, as well. Um, but it just goes to show the Bills. Pete and I mean I know you were tracking them with your tracker. They just never looked convincing all season. So that was a real pfft at the end of the day. And I kind of it just ended the way I thought they should have ended, doing well and then just dropping out because who cares?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean they they I mean pretty much all season long they looked like one of those teams that was gonna always be on kind of the edge of playoff contention and and given a break here or there would would get in, but they always felt like they would need quite a few breaks to pro- progress in the playoffs. They always looked like a wild card team and that's pretty much as far as they would go. Yeah,
1: because it's happened a few years now, hasn't it? Where when we get to the playoffs, there's a couple of teams in there and you're like, I just can't wait for you to play and lose because that's going to happen, you know? And I guess the, it was the same with um, the Vikings. I still don't look at them as contenders because the Saints, did they not had one of those games that they had when I really needed them to win in fantasy football. It was that kind of, when I needed to depend <laughs> on Drew Brees to, and Alvin Kamara to actually do something, they ended up just having a big old fart. So that, that's what happened in this game. It was sort of typical of them. When you look at the Vikes now, I mean, do you see them going far in the playoffs? Do you think they're actually sneakily better than I'm giving them credit for?
0: Uh, well, I, th- I think, I think they're sneakily better than, than lots of people give them, give them credit for. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think there's a lot, for example, to choose between them and the Packers. Even though the Packers beat them twice, um, you know, the 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 49ers. I don't know what the what the spread is, seven points, something like that. I would imagine for Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think they've got a shot. Um, you have to believe that playing in in a dome in New Orleans was an easier game for the Vikes than it will be going to. Going to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, but the only thing you just don't know with that, whilst whilst the bye week can all, you know, obviously help teams get get healthy and et cetera, et cetera. Some teams come out after that bye week and just and just lay a complete egg, you know, and, and that's what happened to the Packers in twenty eleven, you know, when the fifteen and one team. Um, just sometimes it happens that way. They come out sluggish, you know, the their practice schedule's been changed for those two weeks and 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 it just doesn't doesn't work so i i give the vikes a shot i do yeah
1: and it's a weird one too i mean how many times have the packers players been accused this season when we lost um and even some of those uh, sort of squeaky bum games where you know it was on the edge of our seat stuff that they were like the team was flat i don't know why um, and then what, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen LaFleur have to answer. They said to him, what happened? And he said, oh, we just came out a bit flat. We weren't motivated. We didn't yeah. take it seriously, blah, blah, blah. Now, usually it's when we're coming up against opponents that we think we're going to beat, I guess. Um, you know, not all the time, of course. But, it, you know, there were some of those games that it was a slow start or we went up to a fast lead and they ended up sort of trying to claw our way back in where it seemed like the looked at the opponent and went, ah, you know, we should walk this, we're fine. Whereas you'd expect that not to be the case when we come come up against the Seahawks to a degree. Now, not unless they read the media reports, uh, which say that the Seahawks are definitely going to lose this game. Um, But before we get on to Packers, I guess as well, how interesting is it of what's going on in New England? And how weird is it that Josh McDaniels who's been touted as like the it guy for ages, who Mark Murphy came out and thrashed, by the way, who sort of said like, oh, well, everyone, you know, they weren't as prepared as we'd want them to be or whichever way he phrased it when he when he introduced Matt LaFleur. And people were like, oh, well, if it doesn't pan out for LaFleur, he's really shot himself in the foot with McDaniels. Uh, and they were are sitting uh, pretty in the playoffs, but with still people not convinced, but we, we'll get to that in a second, Pete. But Josh McDaniels, so he was in for Panthers. He was in for the Giants. He was in for the Browns. Apparently he had turned down the Browns and said, I'm not even going to bother showing up. And then the door slams in his face of the Panthers. The Panthers, how Irish, um, and the Giants, because they just interviewed the first guy and just went for him. Uh, let's see how that pans out for them. But again, is this the end of the dynasty in New England? You know, what's going to happen with Brady Belichick and McDaniels now? Will they all just end up sticking around because they've got nothing else to do? I mean, what, what's going on?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the McDaniels thing's interesting because I, I still don't rule him out ending up in Cleveland. Um but what you don't what you don't know there, I guess, is is what indication has he been given from say Belichick Look, I'm gonna I'm only intending to coach one more year or two more years, um, you know, and 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 there may be a an unwritten agreement there that, that McDaniels takes over takes over then, um, you know, if, if he's been been given the nod and the wink that. That, that Bill's going to only coach one more year, then that's probably why he's turning down the potential for these, for these other jobs. Um, I just don't know the, um, the thing, the thing with Brady, I can't, I don't think any of us can quite work out whether he's coming back to new England next year. You know, he's a, he's a unrestricted free agent now, or whether he's going to end up somewhere else. And, you know, the thought of him playing somewhere else, the thought of another team thinking that Brady's the answer to their problem, hmm. It, it, I, str- I struggle with that, not because he's not a great quarterback or has been a great quarterback, because he has, um, but it's difficult to, you have to imagine that there aren't any of the playoff teams that are looking look, are looking for a quarterback. Yeah. So then you're looking at, you know, and the Rams won't be, so, the, so I've now ruled out 13 teams off the top of my head, the Cowboys won't be, there's 14 teams straight away off the top of your head that you know he's not going to those teams. And then you have to think, well, at best, he's going to a middle of the pack team. If he if he if he goes somewhere, um, would would his would he at age forty whatever he is
1: forty three yeah
0: forty three make the difference between you know a seven and nine team and an a eleven and five team? And it's really difficult to think he would.
1: Yeah, I think it damages his legacy too. He's you know because I don't think, he's at the age he is. So I know some of the other great quarterbacks went and moved on, and they they created a name for themselves. But I don't see that kind of happening in his trajectory. I think he needs to ride off into the sunset. It's a pity that he had such a sort of meh season this season. Um, but I don't I don't see him go the way of Peyton Manning, where you know he when he went to the Broncos, he was sort of so so he got benched twice for Brock Osweiler, um, and then ended up coming in and winning the Super Bowl and riding off into the sunset. I guess I don't see that happening for Brady. Like when we see the likes of Joe Flacco. When he, when he stuck with the Ravens, you were kind of like, oh, well, yeah, he's a good quarterback. He didn't have enough weapons around him. You can make all the excuses you like about how, you know, he didn't succeed up to the potential. He's one of the most successful playoff quarterbacks when he ended up getting his team there. And then you look at Brady and you're kind of thinking, yeah, there's no way at his age that he takes that chance. I think whether he likes it or not, he's coupled with Bill Belichick and the two of them need to go kind of off together, I guess. Um, and it kind of taint his legacy, I, I believe, if he sort of stuck around. It's another odd one, but isn't McDaniels now? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but and as well, if people like this NFL in general chatter, uh, they can tune in the Sunshine Radio 106.8 <laughs> FM. Uh, I'm on every Saturday with uh, the snooker legend Ken Doherty and Reggie Kerrigan. It uh, sounds very ad like, but Josh McDaniels wasn't his father like a massive, uh, successful coach in Ohio? And also, did he not go to school, high school there, and play football in high school, um, in Cleveland? Uh, maybe not Cleveland, certainly the in the state. Uh, maybe he did. Uh, I have McKinley sticking out my head for some reason. This is a great podcast where Stephen just rambles on with random facts. Um, Yeah, so I think he has ties to go there. But to be honest with you, Pete, I don't know how you feel about it. I do not feel good about Baker Mayfield at all. I think he's an absolute, and insert whatever word you want here, he's arrogant and manky, and I wouldn't have anything to do with that franchise because he's the quarterback <laughs> there, to be honest with you.
0: Well, so so your your memory about Josh McDaniels is very good. He is indeed from from Ohio. There you go,
1: um,
0: Canton McKinley High School.
1: There you you're go, right. McKinley. There you go. That's really what your
0: your uh, your memory is uh, is is very good. And uh, yeah, that's where he, that's where he um you know I guess started to learn his learn his football and then ended up ended up going to um, Michigan State in his first coaching job and then and then. New England was in essence his second coaching job, and he's been there, barring the, the eighteen months or whatever thing, he spent, yeah. in, spent in Denver. he has been there ever since. But yeah, I will tell you what, your memory is really good, Steve. I'm, I, I'm, I'm.
1: Are you I'm well impressed? impressed?
0: But, well, hopefully I, the listeners have, are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, so yeah, so, so so there is there is that going for him. The um, the Baker Mayfield thing. So so he he absolutely is dividing opinion yeah you know very much very much in in cleveland and i think he he hasn't helped his cause well a by not having a good season but coupling a not very good season with being somewhat outspoken doesn't doesn't help your cause you know if you if you want to if you want to talk the talk you better walk the walk or vice versa you know um I, i think that yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland has to decide the new the new coach and the new GM in there. They have to decide whether Baker's their man for the future or he isn't. You know, and if and if they decide that he is, with all the pitfalls that he's, that he's got, then then they have to stick. They have to stick with him because you, you can't be chopping and changing all all over the place. Else, you know, Cleveland's gone through a whole realm of quarterbacks over the last the last twenty years um you know johnny manzel and various various others that they've that they've drafted really high a, they've drafted badly clearly with some of those guys but but also they've been very quick to get rid of them and this and this is the mess that the that where it's got them so at some point you have to almost take a chance and say i'm going to stick with him it's yeah it's a, it's a really difficult one i i this season reminded me of 1993 Favre where Favre had a down year as compared to his first season in, in Green Bay but of course Favre then bounced back with a lot of tutelage from, from Holmgren and Mariucci and I think that's what Mayfield needs and that's why I felt that Mike McCarthy going to, going to Cleveland would have been a great help to Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, I'm just not convinced. I, I just think he's a. I think his character is questionable, all this mean-mugging and all this type of thing. It's the same as in football. You're a Chelsea fan, aren't you? I am indeed. Yeah, so first off, commiseration. Second off, um, <laughs> it's who is that player from Spain again? He's, he's, he was so annoying, I forgot his name. He used to go around mean-mugging everybody. He was recent enough. He went back to Atletico with Madrid. People are shouting at the radio now. I used to know his name because I used to quote him a lot. Oh, what was his name again? He he was the guy who looked like he's like Benjamin Button, like he was born at fifty-seven years of age. Oh, what's his um, name? Um, I'm talking about Fernando Torres? I mean. No, it, no, not definitely not him. This chap couldn't find the goal. He was um, he was an interesting character. Oh! Um, Costa, Diego Costa,
0: Diego Costa. That
1: guy, yeah. yeah. Like he was born at. 47 years of age he looks <laughs> younger now he did than when he was seven uh, him he used to just foul everybody he was a dirty player i think he spat on a few people but fans of the team when he's on your team love him so
0: so, so that's exactly what i was going to say that's a really interesting one he's absolutely one of those guys that 99 percent of fans would hate but when he's on your team you absolutely love him
1: yeah, until he's thrown into triple coverage to try to get out of Beckham the ball. I can. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think we've asked the about other teams. So kind of leading into this, this is kind of like, and dare I say it, Pete, it's kind of a quick snaps episode. You doing it, Pete? I'm doing it. Peter, are you doing it?
0: I'm doing it, baby.
1: You see, me and Pete midweek like to do it <laughs> together. So the thing about this is we're facing the Seattle Seahawks. We expected the Saints. Some people are disappointed some people are related. some people on social media just to have an elemon but uh, the seattle seahawks Pete, versus the saints i mean did you have a i'm not going to say a preference but although we're going to have to face somebody do you feel more confident about this game less confident yes. about this game you feel more confident
0: definitive yes
1: pray tell. i mean
0: i mean i mean i do, i, mean, I don't I have a preference i would i would i would much rather have faced the Seahawks or the Eagles than I, than I would the Saints. Yeah. Um, just, just, just because I think that the Packers have a better chance of beating them. Um, and that's not to say that the Packers wouldn't have beaten the Saints either, but that would have been a real toss up game. And I, and I would have imagined that as I think we said last week or the week before that I I would imagine the Saints would have come into Lambeau as a favorite, uh, you know, a one point or one and a half point favorite. So, um, but I, but, I don't think any of the other you know either the Eagles or the Seahawks would have done. and and I think that's kind of a fair reflection. now i I know it would have been tough for the Saints to play outdoors and all and all and all of that stuff. Um, but that's a good football team that played very poorly this past weekend. yeah, but that's that's still a good football team. and i and I just think that you know if you played the Saints ten times, I would imagine the Saints would beat the Packers more than half of those games. Whereas I think if you played the Seahawks 10 times, I would imagine that the Packers would win slightly more than half of those games.
1: Yeah, I think we're still scarred by, and dare I mention the NFC Championship game. Do you know what? I'm handing out neck punches to everybody who keeps waxing lyrical about the NFC Championship game, but also gonna wax lyrical about the NFC Championship game. I guess I have to mention it. It's the elephant in the room, Pete, don't we?
0: It, it 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 is, and and it's and it's and it's very scarring. The only thing I would say about that is, is and and you've talked about it a couple of times in recent podcasts. Is twice, actually, the yeah. Packers the Packers play very well in that game, better that yeah. be, better than any of us expected them to play. And 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 yes, there was the onside kick. Yes, there was the two point conversion. You know, neither of which should have happened. But the the killer for the Packers in that game was that they kept kicking field goals and not scoring touchdowns. You know, when they got to that 16 nothing lead in the third quarter or whenever it was, you know, the Packers had scored four times at that point, but three of them were field goals, and that was, you know, the real killer for them as the game as the game turned out. But I still think back to the 2003 playoff game, you know, the Al Harris interception <laughs> for a for a touchdown in overtime. So that's yeah. what that's the the feeling I have about the Seahawks or the, or the 2007 playoff game in the snow. Yeah. When, when Ryan Grant, the original Ryan Grant for the Packers rushed for about 200 yards in that game. And, and Brett Favre was throwing snowballs at Donald driver. And, you know, that was kind of the, the peak of that, of that team. So I try and pretend, I don't even think about that 2014 game. I think about 2003 and 2007.
1: Yeah, and I mean, playoffs aside, we've had the Seahawks number quite a, quite a couple of times. Like, you know, the bygone days of when we used to have to march into Seattle with the 12th man and all his lark yeah. and have to put up with the noise where it was kind of seen as a tough game. They're a completely different team now. And in fact, did they not round out the NFL But like the. I, it might even be an NFL record. I think it's something like 12 games that they won by, you know, a score or less. And I think they were losing some of those games as well, weren't they, Pete? There's something crazy that like, this is a team that are kind of, I think you might've said it on a podcast recently, is that eventually your luck runs out in those instances.
0: Yeah. And and, and that's one of the reasons where you, you have to believe that because that, because that argument has been pointed at the Packers and I've pointed it at the Packers this season. Yeah, you know, the Packers are something like eight and one or nine and one now in, in one score games, but you're yeah. absolutely right. The Seahawks have won 12, I think now one score games. So, so eventually, that luck that luck runs out, and it just and it and it just says to you, you think that one play here or there makes makes all the difference. And so much of the Seahawks now, so this, you you're absolutely right, this isn't the Seahawks team of four or five years ago. So much of the Seahawks now rests on the arm and the legs of of, of Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, kind of the criticism that we leveled at the Packers for how many years, that it, this all came down to A-Rod. It, it's dependent on him to do it. And as well as that, look at their ground game. Uh, you know, they, they had to bring Marshawn Lynch back. Um, they've Travis Homer in there, who's the fourth stringer. Um, you know, Carson gets injured. I think they had three running back injuries in three weeks. Um, so then, yep. the, you know, they've the depleted running game, which in, in that weather, the thing is, we don't have the advantage of you know the temperatures over Seattle. They're used to playing cold games as well, and um, but where you have to lean heavily on the run game, arguably they don't have that talent for sure. There, I mean, Marshawn Lynch is just getting used to taking hits again. Um, but it's interesting as well, Pete, isn't it? I mean, and not to hark back to that game because I said it annoyed me, and now I'm annoying myself. Oh. Is that um, <laughs> you know, it's it's typical that so McCarthy, he's been in the news a lot lately. We're getting the Dallas Cowboys job, um, and. One of the criticisms I see out there, which kind of brought so back so many memories, including this game, his criticism that they were like, oh yeah, he's going to improve your team, Dallas. But at the same time, he's renowned for getting up a lead and then sitting on that lead, which is just what you can't do. And I think it was the Around the NFL podcast and Chris Westling, who I always enjoy his insight, you know, starts quoting Lombardi quotes, which was amazing, saying that, you know, once you go up on a lead, you can't sit on it, you need to sort of crack on. Um, and that's kind of what happened in that game. But, like, people can make no mistake, and, and I know the bookies have this game as quite close, but, and again, when all of this talk about this Packers team isn't as good as people think it is, but at the same time, this is a pretty poor Seattle team, and this will be a test of, can we come out of the blocks quickly against a team that, let's face it, we should beat. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes. This is a team that's there for the taking and on-we-march, um and really, we're only two games away from the Super Bowl, which is crazy. And this game should be one of those that we should command from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And it's, it's a really exciting situation to be in. I, I'm so much happier to be playing the Seahawks than I, than I am the saints. And, and, and like I say, you know, the saints played, played poorly this past weekend, but, but I, I just feel like if the Packers play anywhere near the level that they've been playing at this season, and that hasn't been, you know, they're, you know, we've talked many times they haven't played complete four quarters or whatever else. But the level they've played this season will be good enough to beat, to beat the Seahawks, I, I believe. You know, you, you just avoid, avoid the turnovers because those things completely turn, turn games around. Uh, avoid the big play if you can, you know. And, you know, DK Metcalf came up big this, this, this past weekend and had a, had a really solid rookie season. But across the board, you look at that Seattle team. Like you say, they're beaten up at running back. They're beaten up on the offensive line. Um, you know, this isn't the team that had Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and those guys. It's not that team anymore. You, you, you just you just have to believe that that the, the Packers will come out, run a balanced offense, and and I, you know, I think I think they're going to win this game. I'm not going to say relatively easily because it's yeah. never. <laughs> it's you know these these things always turn out to be to be close. You only got to look at the two teams that have played these two teams that have played so many one score games this season. But, but I think the Packers are going to come out on top by a touchdown or something like that.
1: And hey, Pete, remember that time in that NFC Championship game, right? And I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. And I'm sick of people talking about it. But hey, remember that time in the NFC Championship game where Richard Sherman was injured and we still didn't throw his way? That still annoys me. But yep. anyway, on we go. So you did a you it. It still annoys me. And I have to mention it. You see, I feel if I exercise my demons, it's fine. Um. So you did a poll on the UK Packers group on Facebook. It's a private group. Um, you can be admitted to that group. Um, as long as you pass the criteria, you know what I mean. You have to be a certain height. Um, that's not true because if it was, wouldn't get in. Um, so Pete, you looked into who the MVP was, and not to ruin, kind of like you know the award ceremony for the regular season. But you did a poll on who the MVP you felt this season was, and who you think might be an X factor in this game. Do you want to throw some names at us here about how that poll sort of shaked in and what you think about it all?
0: Yeah, well, I think I think that probably unsurprisingly, two two names two names leaped out from from the people responding to that poll and that's Z- Zadaria Smith and, and Aaron Jones. And it's nice to have, it's nice to have one guy on offense and one guy on, on defense leap leap out. And it, that doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all. And I think that, you know, when you look at Zadaria Smith's numbers, you know, you look at him on the tape and he just looks fantastic. And then you look at the numbers and the numbers just support exactly what you're seeing on the game tape. you know, the number, the number of sacks, the number of, quarterback pressures number of quarterback hits um every everything about that guy and he seems to make and i guess this is the most important thing about those numbers of which is why numbers themselves aren't i don't, don't always tell the story what what happens in smith's case is he makes the plays when you have to have them yeah he's not quarterbacks run around for 10 seconds and just happens to fall into him no, he's making plays when you have when you have to have them um you know, and he's a difference maker. He's he is the real difference maker on on defense that the pack that the Packers have that lots of teams don't have. You know, and 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 Aaron Jones likewise likewise on offense. You know, there's three or four other backs in the league that you know are right up there with with Aaron Jones. You know, the likes of Christian McCaffrey and those guys, dual threats. You know, and whilst you know McCaffrey rushed for a thousand yards and and had a thousand yards receiving, there's not too many guys you'd swap Aaron Jones for.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, on on it on his on his day, you know, he's he's a breakaway back. He know has got a nose for the end zone, as shown by his, you know, nineteen scores this this year. So, you know, to have a have a top notch guy on offence and a top notch guy on, on defence, and those are the two names that kind of sprung out at everybody those are the two names that the majority of people were picking out as their packers mvp um it's a really good thing
1: yeah and i've got a couple of points uh on one of them is the christian mccaffrey angle and what i think about it is is that a phenomenal player uh, comes from an amazing pedigree i mean all his family are just athletic freaks and um, so i'm not taking away from the guy at all because it's like anything else you know you can say to someone well the pilot passed out so we have to put in joe blogs in there and he did a great job you can't knock joe blogs for doing a good job landing that plane if he didn't have the capability to do it you can't go well the pilot passed out so someone had to do it uh, but that's that's the kind of vibe i get from Carolina in the sense that you know Cam Newton goes out again people blame the vegan diet it's up to you um, and then you know they kind of had to lean on him and he was he was equal to the task but I do wonder how many of those numbers would be taken away from him if Cam Newton the mobile quarterback was back there slinging it about running about um, you know whereas Aaron Jones when you look at his numbers that are very comparative especially when it comes to uh, touchdowns and all of this type of stuff is that he's not our only weapon. You know, Devontae Adams, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers in there, Jamal Williams coming in, uh, grinding stuff out. But what sort of strikes me about this team, it's it's so different than the last time we faced the Seahawks. You look down the roster and you kind of think, you know, as you said, they're depleted on O-line. You'd expect massive pressure. And Kenny Clark's really come into his own later in the season. It seems that we've been able to scheme away uh, to get him to the quarterback. Preston Smith uh, is, is causing you know irreparable damage uh, so is the darius smith uh you know darnell savage is making plays what we should capitalize on is is getting russell wilson who is a scramble merchant by the way this is not a guy he's kind of like aaron Rodgers, isn't he you know you, you flush him out of the pocket it doesn't mean you're safe then that's when he makes stuff happen but yeah. now we've yeah. kevin king and jair alexander and all of these players coming out with all of these stellar numbers this season uh per green bay pro football focus and it's funny what you say as well about um Zadarius Smith and you're dead on, and that really resonated with me when I saw the mic'd up of Zadarius Smith when he makes plays when he has to, and he goes to it's the one where he comes out and he's taking the uh, the mickey out of Aaron Rodgers saying I wanted white socks and they they said they didn't have any I come out here and you're wearing them it's that game and he goes to the sideline and David Backtaria I think says to him oh do you know what I need from you now you know you're getting sacks you're getting pressures but I need a, a fumble uh you know. and a a touchdown off it a pick six kind of thing and uh, he said okay okay and then he goes out on the field now I think he he has a strip sack or it's on a running back but he definitely punches the ball out so the thing is it's like he had it in his head he got that challenge and he knew what he had to do and went out and actually made it happen which is crazy now is it coincidental Uh, who knows but the thing is he definitely put in that effort to do it so this is a guy who when he has to turn it on turns it on and here's my question for you Pete and maybe this is too early, but Zadarius, to Smith, Zadarius Smith to me sort of transcends everything. Like it, that sounds very um, pious, but when I when I think about him, he reminds me instantly of of Woodson, uh, of Reggie White, of Leroy Butler. He reminds me of a player who his impact and his signing and all of the money you cannot quantify or put into tangible. Uh, numbers what he is worth to the locker room this guy is a culture changer and I know it's probably too early to ordain him as the second coming out of, of, of some of those players or maybe it's not but certainly his impact it is far reaching than off the field and I haven't seen an, an impact like him in the locker room it, with the Packers since I don't know when
0: Oh, I think that I think that's very true. I think that you know you're looking back a decade, aren't you? You're looking back to to to, to Charles Woodson. So you so you're bringing in a guy, um, you're bringing in a Hall of Fame corner, um, who some felt was on the downside of his career at that point when he before he signed for the Packers. Yeah. But it's it's both his play on the field and the attitude. You're absolutely right. The attitude, the change in the culture, the influence on the on the younger players. Um, so, you know, we've not seen that since Charles Woodson and probably before then we have not seen it since since Reggie White came to Green Bay. And, you know, Reggie White coming to Green Bay led them to a led them to a championship, was the was the last cog in the wheel, if you like, or was the big cog in the whatever you want to call it, was that cog that was needed. The same with Charles Woodson. And we can but hope it's the same with Zadarius Smith. Certainly you know the one year indication is that you you've got a guy that as you've described we we'd all seen his play on the field previously you know um and when we did the preseason or the free agency preview pod you know Andy Davis picked picked out Zadaria Smith as the guy that he really wanted
1: yeah twice we'd all seen
0: his, his <laughs> yes he did he did uh, we'd all seen his play on the field but what what we didn't know was the in, None of us could ever sense the big intangible that he would bring with him, the positive attitude and the influence that has on the, on the, you know, on the younger players and the culture in the dressing room and the belief that at that any time you can, you can go out and make that play that changes the game. You're believing every time that you walk on the field that you're going to make that defensive stop. You know, any time that you walk on the field, you believe that you're going to win. That makes a, that makes a huge difference. And and like you say, that's it's priceless. You can't put a number on that. You know, you can't put a salary on that because you just never know that whether or not a guy is going to come with with that. And uh, let's hope you know if he if he plays out the whole of his contract in Green Bay, the four year deal that that he's on. If 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 the subsequent years, the coming years, or anything like like this year, then his influence on the direction of of this team is just it is it immeasurable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I guess we're both tipping the Packers to win this game. We're both saying it's not going to be easy. Um, and of course, when you write stuff down on paper, it doesn't always materialize or show up, but we really have a shot this year. Um, any other notable mentions, Pete, about this game?
0: Well, I think that, the, I think you touched on it with, 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 with Russell, with Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah. He's the key to this game for this, for the Seahawks. You know, that that's the guy that, if Lamar Jackson hadn't had the year that he'd had, Russell Wilson would probably be the the league MVP this year. That's how good he's been. Um, But, but you know, you're, you're absolutely right. This is a guy that can make, make plays out of the pocket, but probably is more successful making plays on, on scrambles and, and and whatever else. And, And the one thing that, that he seems to have is he has a never say die attitude. So, so, going back to that 2014 NFC Championship game, but also a lot of other games, if you've watched the Seahawks over the years, is he never believes they're beaten. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's a great, that's a great thing to have. But, uh, but I, you know, I, I just believe that aside from, aside from Russell Wilson, um, it isn't a strong, deep Seahawks roster. And that's why, you know, I just believe the Packers are going to beat them.
1: Yeah. Famous last words. Um, <laughs> so uh, we we. Talk- I
0: never said it. We can cut that bit <laughs> out in a week's time.
1: Yeah, especially if we lose, I'll just edit the podcast <laughs> retrospectively and just upload it again with us saying, "Well, we're quite clearly going to lose because of these reasons." Um, let's talk Canton, Ohio. So you've written uh, uh, some great pieces for the website ukpackers.co.uk. That do you know what the promotion is seamless in this thing. Um, you've wrote enough other pieces about you know Packers that should get into the Hall of Fame. And four of those guys have a chance. Um, who are they, Pete? Uh, and why should they be in the Hall of Fame? And do you think that they actually have a shot with these votes being counted?
0: So so the four guys, yeah. So special centennial class for the Hall of Fame, 10, ten seniors going in. And of the, of the t- final twenty, four of them are Packers. So we've got um, La- La- Lavi Dealwig, who was if you like, was Don Hudson before Don Hudson's. So he was he was the great the first great split end and tight end in Packers history in the in the late twenties and early thirties. And was regarded as as perhaps the best safety on defense during that period. So he made the all NFL all decade team for the nineteen twenties. So I think he he probably has the best shot of the four Packers who are up potentials. I would be shocked if he doesn't get in. Um, the next one who I think has got the next best shot is Bobby Dillon. Yeah. So Bobby was a great safety in the 1950s. Had the misfortune, if you like, of playing his career before Lombardi's teams of the of the 60s. But Bobby's the Packers all time leading interceptor. Led the NFL in interceptions on a number of number of years, um, and did it all with one eye. Yeah. It's losing, nice. as you know, losing an eye in a childhood in a childhood accident so one of the reasons i think that he's probably got the second best chance of all the packers is that is that ron wolf is really really high on bobby dylan has always regarded bobby dylan as as a guy that ought to be in the pro football hall of fame and and ron wolf is one of the guys who's on the committee selecting um you know the final 10 that will get inducted so whilst there'll be you know obviously cases for lots of lots of the other guys i think that Bobby's got a good chance because of, because, because of that. The, the other two I think have got have got lesser chances disappointingly. So I think that the third guy, Vern, Vern Llewellyn, was um, probably the first great all-round running back in Packer's history. Great runner, great receiver out of the backfield, um, did it all, and probably would have been the NFL MVP. In consecutive years, if they'd had such an award back in the nineteen the nineteen thirties, um, and the reason I say that is that the Pro Football Researchers Association have gone back and retrospectively named NFL MVPs for the years where there weren't weren't um, an MVP, and they, twice they've given it to to Berne Llewellyn, and then the fourth guy um, Cecil Isbell was great passer in the late. 30s and early 40s. So you see all the all the numbers that um uh Don Hudson put up in that period. Lots of those passes were being thrown to him by by Cecil Isbell. And when you look at isbel's numbers in that period, those stand up for decades after that. So you know, he was the first guy in NFL history to pass for 2000 yards in a season. His passer rating for the period in which he played was was exceptional. The downside is that his career was short. So you think of Sterling Sharp having a short career. Um, Cecil Isbell's was, was a similar length of time to, to Sterling Sharp's. And that's why, you know, it's I feel that he's probably got the least chance of the four um, of, of of getting in,
1: but uh, there you go. I mean, we've we've um we've been through it, so yeah. That, that look, what a dynamite podcast to be back! And I know we had grand plans to do the whole, uh, you know, the dingle dongles and the, uh, everything else, but we'll do that in time. We're too amped about the Seahawks game coming up. Um, so I'll do my usual roundabout. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, we have a Patreon page. And uh, if you donate five a month, we will give all of your money back to you in the form of a t-shirt which does cost us that amount of money and we send it out no matter where you are in the world and um, we did have a request before that asked if they donated the fiver a month after six months would they get all of their money back and a t-shirt the answer is no not running the ponzi scheme so <laughs> um it has to be said so pete that's it uh, anything else to say or forever hold your peace
0: no just look forward to look forward to sunday evening and who do we want to play when we win by the way <laughs> we want to play the Vikes or the 49ers
1: yeah do you know what though and it's interesting what you say about the Vikes and I know I've written them off but it is typical isn't it that you, we might end up facing the Vikings and yeah. then there's the talk about can we beat them for a third time
0: Ah, uh, well I've got a theory on that go on yeah. so so it's one of those things that you hear a lot isn't it that that well you can't beat a team the third time in a season and all, and all of that yeah so, me being me, I went back and looked back through Packers history to see how many times the Packers have, have beaten a team twice in the regular season and then, faced, and then faced them again in the postseason.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's only happened three times in Packers history. Right. 1936, 1965, and 2004. Two out of those three times, the Packers have won the third game as well. Right. Um, course, that the one us that piece? They, well, well, uh, I'm not sure it tells us, not sure it tells us anything because the one that they lost was the Vikings. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that it tells us anything other than there is a little bit of a myth around the you can't beat a team three times in a season.
1: Right. So if we use statistics then, right, you're more likely to win the game. And also we've lost already to the Vikings. So statistically and probability wise, for us to lose again <laughs> to the Vikings would be slimmer than winning Absolutely. again all i'm saying <laughs> there you go what, what a note to end on all the mathematicians out there have wet the pants um so i've been at steedy the nfl he's been at it hedgehog we have been at uk packers follow the group at uk packers on twitter and facebook and instagram and if you're so inclined uh follow the paddy packer on instagram that's me on account as well um so that's it peace i guess go pack go for the playoffs go
0: pack go